Welcome to First Unitarian Church. Come on in. I'm Angela Herrera, the senior minister here, and it's wonderful to see you this morning. I'm here with Associate Minister Bob Lavalley, with lay leader Lee Francis IV, our volunteer DJ Sai Schuster, and our tech volunteers, Christine Robinson, Michaela Renz-Whitmore, Vance Bass, and Bill Miller. Our Director of Religious Education, Mia Noren, prepared the message for all ages, the time for all ages this morning, and we are all so glad to be here with you. We especially welcome any new visitors who may be among us. If you are a newcomer and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name and your location in the chat box so that we can greet you personally. Let us join together now in lighting our chalices and candles. The words of George Kimmich Beach. In the mystery of life about us, there is light. It gives us a place to be, to grow, to rejoice together. It opens the pathways to love. In this place of friendship, there is freedom. Let the light we kindle go before us, strong in hope, wide in goodwill, inviting the day to come.
are Afro-Amation. We are Unitarian, Universalist. We are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. Good morning. I'm Mia Noren, your Director of Religious Education. I've been thinking a lot about how to go back to meeting in person here at the church, how to make the transition from staying at home to being together again this fall, especially for our families with children who don't have access to the vaccine yet. Just like figuring out how to do everything during the pandemic, this is another thing that I, we have never had to do before. I need to let go of the idea that I can come up with a perfect plan right away. Thinking about my, all my ideas as experiments that may have imperfections to be fixed made me think of the ENSO. Creating an ENSO is an ancient Zen Buddhist practice. It's a circle that is hand-drawn in one uninhibited brushstroke. It's a simple image that has many layers of meaning as a practice, as a symbol, and an object of meditation. Among those is the idea that the closed circle represents the totality of experience and life, life, death, and rebirth, the circle of life, and the interconnectedness of all existence. The open circle represents the imperfection found in all things. It is incomplete, but allows for movement and development, a moment when the mind is free to let the body create without the desire for perfection. A circle that symbolizes letting all ideas in, focusing on the creative and being open to change. Well, thinking about the ENSO made me think about one of my favorite stories, which I'm going to share with you now. The story is called The Dot and it is written and illustrated by Peter H. Reynolds. Art class was over, but Vashti sat glued to her chair. Her paper was empty. Vashti's teacher leaned over the blank paper. Ah, a polar bear in a snowstorm, she said. Very funny, said Vashti. I just can't draw. Her teacher smiled. Just make a mark and see where it takes you. Vashti grabbed the marker and gave the paper a good strong jab. There. Her teacher picked up the paper and studied it carefully. Hmm. She pushed the paper toward Vashti and quietly said, now sign it. Vashti thought for a moment. Well, maybe I can't draw, but I can sign my name. The next week, when Vashti walked into art class, she was surprised to see what was hanging above her teacher's desk. It was the little dot she had drawn, her dot, all framed in swirly gold. Huh, I can make a better dot than that. She opened her never before used set of watercolors and set to work. Vashti painted and painted a red dot a purple dot, a yellow dot, a blue dot. The blue mixed with the yellow. She discovered that she could make a green dot. Vashti kept experimenting, lots of little dots in many colors. 
I can make little dots. I can make big dots too. Vashti splashed her colors with a bigger brush on bigger paper to make bigger dots. Vashti even made a dot by not painting a dot. At the school art show a few weeks later, Vashti's many dots made quite a splash. Vashti noticed a little boy gazing up at her. You're a really great artist. I wish I could draw, he said. I bet you can, said Vashti. Me? No, not me. I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. Vashti smiled. She handed the boy a blank sheet of paper. Show me. The boy's pencil shook as he drew his line. Vashti stared at the boy's squiggle. And then she said, sign it. The end. This story shows how our conversations with each other and our connections can spur creativity, confidence, and growth. Let's stay open to the suggestion that a single small idea could take us to great places together. Lovely. Let's move into a time for meditation. You know, one of the benefits of taking time for meditation is that it helps us find grounding when we're feeling the impacts of changes around us. The thing I really love about meditation is that it isn't asking us to grab on to something and hold it in a death grip for stability, but rather meditation teaches us to look at change as it happens, take note of it, and let it go. I wanna share these words from Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. In this spirit, let us sit together in sacred silence for two minutes.
Each day, we add a page to the story of our lives. At times, those pages tell of joy and gladness, and other times of concern and sorrow. Our stories are woven together when we support others in moments of joy or sadness, and others support us in ours. These interwoven moments become part of the story of our community here together. Please share your joys and concerns in the chat bar now as prompted by the video. If you cannot share in the chat bar today for any reason, we still want to hear from you. Contact us at caring at uuabq.org. Please share in our stories now.
We travel with each other. We are companions in our joys and sorrows. Joys for all the reconnecting that's happening right now. Joy for travel and actually physically hugging people again. Joy for dyeing our hair when we have the opportunity and joy for family and being together. And our concerns, we lift up Gail Livingston's brother, Glenn, who passed this week. May light perpetual shine upon him. And we lift up concerns for all those resisting the vaccine, all those who, well, whose suspicions overcome their sense of responsibility to the common good. And we lift up those concerns for the floods in Europe and the wildfires in the West and all the impacts of climate change that are upon us. All these and all those joys and concerns held in our hearts, unspoken but no less keenly felt, all these we lift up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal that are known by many names. Join me in prayer. We lift up Dimitri Kapolanis and his family as they mourn the passing of his mother, Lourdes, in South Africa from cancer this past week. May light perpetual shine upon her. And we lift up congregant, former congregant Linda Sprague, who passed. May light perpetual shine upon her as well. And may we all draw comfort from our memories. In this time of emergence and transition and transformation, we give ourselves permission to mourn what has been lost. We give ourselves permission to acknowledge the ways that the world is deeply broken, even as we see its beauty. And we remember the ways that we still, that we are still whole and complete. In this time of emergence and transformation and transition, we pray for our congregation. We pray that love and our mission of hospitality and service guide us in the weeks and the months to come as we make hard decisions. We pray that we keep each other close as we navigate this uncharted terrain. We've never done this before. As we step out of the comforting light of knowing and certainty and feeling our way into this new kind of community, this new way of being in community. We lift up those prayers and may we all be held in the heart of love. Peace be with you. Zoom is always an adventure. And here we go.
Our reading this morning is As You Set Out for Ithaca by C.P. Cavafy. As you set out for Ithaca, hope the voyage is a long one, full of adventure, full of discovery. Ligristonian, Ligristonians and Cyclops, angry Poseidon, don't be afraid of them. You'll never find things like that on your way as long as you keep your thoughts raised high, as long as rare excitement stirs your spirit and your body. 
Lestragonians and Cyclops, wild Poseidon, you won't encounter them unless you bring them along inside your soul, unless your soul sets them up in front of you. Hope the voyage is a long one. May there be many a summer morning when, with what pleasure, what joy, you come into harbors seen for the first time. May you stop at Phoenician trading stations to buy fine things. Mother of pearl and coral, amber and ebony, sensual perfume of every kind, as many sensual perfumes as you can. And may you visit many Egyptian cities to gather stores of knowledge from their scholars. Keep Ithaca always in your mind. Arriving there is what you are destined for. But do not hurry the journey at all. Better if it lasts for years. So you are old by the time you reach the island, wealthy with all you have gained on the way, not expecting Ithaca to make you rich. Ithaca gave you the marvelous journey. Without her, you would not have set out. She has nothing left to give you now. And if you find her poor, Ithaca won't have fooled you. Wise as you will have become, so full of experience, you will have understood by then what these Ithacas mean. Wise as you will have become, so full of experience, you will have understood by then what these Ithacas mean. This poem by C.P. Kavafi is one of my very favorites. He was born in 1863, a gay man in Alexandria, Egypt. And his poem is as timeless as Homer's story of Odysseus that inspired it. There's truth in the image of life as a journey that takes us to unexpected ports, collecting wisdom and treasure. Also, I couldn't pass up an opportunity to hear Lee Francis IV read this poem. It's true, isn't it, though, how we set a course in life and then life takes us here and there. And sometimes you feel like the captain of the ship. Sometimes you feel like a barnacle on the bottom of it, right? There are clear skies, there are storms. Actually, I would say that life can change so much. Our uncharted journeys can be even more dramatic than dropping by a strange port. It can be like switching modes of transportation entirely. In February of last year, maybe this church was like a ship. Right now, it feels more like a spaceship. We find new ways to move forward. And it's baked into being human that we should do this. If we're lucky enough to live long lives, we're going to experience several radical changes. First, from the womb into the arms of our caregivers, and then from childhood to adolescence then to young and middle adulthood, and finally into our senior years. All these changes are visible on the outside, but they also require an interior shift, some kind of a change within us. And then while that's happening, life presents other changes as well. Relationship changes, not only breakups or deaths, but children moving out or new partners moving in, changes in our home life, like a move or a renovation or a change in the environment outside of our homes. Changes to yourself or your health, 
changes in lifestyle, ability, or appearance. Even getting a new job or a promotion can be really disruptive. And big inner changes count as well, like transformative spiritual experiences or new social or political awareness, like the kind that comes from learning to see and understand racism with new eyes. Do you find yourself in the midst of any of these? Or maybe a different kind of change? If you're experiencing one that you haven't mentioned and you want to, you're welcome to share it in the chat box. Esther Perel is a psychotherapist and a scholar of general systems theory, which is basically the study of how everything flows together. She says, every living organism straddles stability and change in nature, in companies, in societies. If you change all the time, you go chaotic, you dysregulate and you may disintegrate, she says. If you don't change at all, you fossilize, you go stale and you may also disintegrate. So to recap, too much change, bad. Too little change, bad. I think that's probably why we humans are wired both to be highly adaptable and also highly resistant to changes. We're capable of amazing creativity and growth and responding to life in that way can lead to deep joy, but it's not guaranteed. Those natural feelings of grief or loss or anger, feelings that reflect our love for or our attachment to things that are not permanent, those feelings which are natural and healthy can also turn into lasting bitterness or even a failure to thrive. Those I think are the least Dragonians and Cyclops and the angry Poseidon Kavathi mentions in his poem. In ancient Greek mythology, least Dragonians are a tribe of giants that eat humans. Poseidon is a violent, ill-tempered God. Cyclops is another giant that eats people. These mythological figures represent forces larger than ourselves that threaten to devour our lives. So what does it mean when Kavafi says, you won't encounter them unless you bring them along inside your soul, unless your soul sets them up in front of you? A more modern writer, William Bridges says, it's not the changes that do you in, it's the transitions. They aren't the same thing, he says. Change is situational. Transition, on the other hand, is psychological. Bridges is the author of a classic book that is called Transitions and another one called Managing Transitions. And I'm gonna draw a lot from both of those texts for the rest of this message today. Change is situational, he says. So changes include most of those things I mentioned a little bit ago. And change is easy to point to because it's what you can see. But transition is psychological. It's that, that adaptation or that transformation that has to happen on the inside. A change can happen really quickly, but transition usually takes at least a little time. And sometimes it takes years. Every transition, the inner work, begins with an ending and it ends with a beginning. You end with the old way of being or relating to what was. 
And then you begin a new way of being or relating to a new reality. So you start with an ending of what was and you end your transition with the beginning of the new. And every transition also has a middle part where you're in between. Each part is important. Each part takes the time it takes. But it helps, it does help if we have words and ideas that allow us to make sense of what's happening and what inner work we're needing to do. So here's how Bridges depicts transitions. Here's a little visual. And for those of you who can't see the slide, what we're looking at are these wave-like shapes that represent the ending, the middle part, which Bridges calls the neutral zone, and the new beginning. And in the slide, the three phases are kind of layered up on each other, they overlap, but the ending is biggest at first, takes up a lot of space. And then as time goes on, the new beginning becomes biggest. William Bridges says, and we'll show that slide again in a little bit. William Bridges says, considering that we have to deal with endings all of our lives, most of us handle them poorly. This is in part because either we take them too seriously or not seriously enough. We take them too seriously by confusing them with finality. That's it, all over, never more, finished. We see them as something without a sequel, forgetting that they are the first phase of the transition process and a precondition of self-renewal. At the same time, he continues, we fail to take them seriously enough. Because they scare us, we try to avoid them." End quote. When we're trying to avoid facing an ending of something, we might say things like, what's done is done, or I don't wanna dwell on the past, even as the past remains strangely active. A relationship ends and months later, you still go out of your way to avoid passing landmarks that remind you of it. Or you get a new job, but struggle to adapt the, to, uh, struggle to adopt the new workplace culture, bringing instead your habits from the old one. Or a first baby joins your family. And even though it's a joyful event, you feel a nagging sense of loss and a fear that you don't even recognize yourself anymore. Saying goodbye is a process of intentionally letting go. It's noticing what in your life was designed to suit the old reality and dismantling the parts of it you no longer need in order to make room for something new. It might also mean letting go of a certain identity you've held. Saying goodbye may also involve letting go of beliefs, something that Bridges calls disenchantment. As we move from childhood toward adulthood, for example, we typically have to let go of the belief that our parents know everything or that they should, or that they're in control of everything or that they don't make mistakes. The first phase of a transition then is saying goodbye. What are some other beliefs a person might have to let go of? Is it time for you to say goodbye to something? Or are you in the process of doing so already? What's that like? Is it scary, exciting, a relief, a great sadness, all of the above? Once we acknowledge an ending, 
and we allow ourselves to experience it, what often comes next is a period of disorientation. You've let go of an identity. So now who are you? Or you've moved into a new home. Now, where is everything? You've accepted a change in your health or your lifestyle. What will your new life look like? And now we are in the second phase. The one Bridges refers to as the neutral zone. Now Bridges calls it neutral because it's in the middle. But when you are in it, the experience is anything but neutral, right? When you're in it, you're not fully on either side of the transition and the time can be extremely anxiety provoking. You might feel adrift, lost, not sure of what you want or even of who you are. If the change is one that you actively worked to bring about in your life, you might begin to fear that you've made a terrible mistake. Depending on the nature of your transition, you might even begin to wonder about the meaning of life itself. In the neutral zone, you may not be able to imagine the path forward or how you will ever figure it out. All of this is a normal part of being in the middle of a transition. And interestingly, it's also a time when people sometimes report having mystical experiences or awakenings. It's as though all of that disruption leaves us open. Anybody find themselves in a neutral zone this morning? The anxiety of the neutral zone can make you wanna take action right away to make the anxiety stop. But that can be a mistake actually. It can prevent us from the development or the discovery that we need to do. Or if we try to just revert back to what the old normal was, it can prevent us from successfully navigating the transition at all. So the name of the game here is surrender. It's don't panic. Trust instead that the neutral zone is valuable. This is when inner realignment and reorientation are taking place within you. So it's a time to give yourself some space, time to carve out, some time to be alone if you can, to just be. It's a time to have faith, faith in the process, faith that you will discover what you need to learn if you allow yourself to. Although it feels uncertain, in the neutral zone, you are making your way toward that third phase of a transition a new beginning. Now, it might not arrive with fanfare. It might not make itself plain right away. Maybe it begins with an idea or a subtle shift that you can only really pinpoint later in hindsight. Maybe it's the day you no longer feel like an imposter in your job or your life. And maybe, maybe your new beginning is still mixed up for a while with those other two phases. Let me take a look at that slide again. Transitions are not necessarily a straight linear process. They are wavy. Endings can still be happening in some ways or in some places in your life while new beginnings are making themselves clear in another. And in yet another area, you might feel that you are still in that neutral zone chaos. They can overlap. Does this resonate with you? Maybe it applies to your experience of this time in the pandemic. 
this time we call early emergence. The world has changed. The change is still underway. And with it, a transition within each of us. There's one more thing I wanna say about this this morning, and it's that these phases apply to whole organizations too. As a congregation, the last several years have been times of big changes for us at First Unitarian. A longtime senior minister retired and you call the new senior minister. Our old sanctuary building was at last renovated several years after we had already moved into our new one. And we were ready. This change was welcome and long awaited. And yet perhaps it was also a bit startling for those of us who had lots of memories in the old room with its big curved wall. It was one thing to move into the new sanctuary and another thing to say goodbye for good to the old one. And then when we had only been in our renovated social hall for maybe 10 Sundays, like at the most, we had to close our campus and become a virtual church. Each of these changes required us to make a transition with an ending, a neutral zone, and a beginning. In fact, when we went virtual in March 2020, we had not even fully learned how to use our new social hall yet. We were still very much in the neutral zone with that. Now, before long, before long, we will reopen our campus for Sunday services. When we do, we'll be called once more to embrace some change. One example is that instead of holding two services on campus like we used to each Sunday, one of our weekly services will continue to take place on Zoom. In this transition too, there's gonna to be an ending and a neutral zone and a new beginning. Some who miss our campus but cannot yet return in person for services may feel sad and worry about being left behind. Meanwhile, others who do attend in person might be surprised to discover what else has changed. Like masks in the sanctuary and sing, singing outdoors instead of inside. There will be joy as well, of course. In the sanctuary, it's going to be wonderful to hear the piano again and other live music, to see the mural and the wildlife habitat and each other, even in this different way. And I predict that those of us who continue on Zoom will begin to develop a deepened sense of community in this virtual service. Because virtual attenders are going to have something in common, a more cautious way of navigating early emergence and a relationship with your church that is so important to you, you have been among the most adaptive you use in sustaining it. Next week, I'm gonna talk about some spiritual practices that can help us navigate this time together. Today, what I want to leave you with is this, that each of us is going through a transition right now. And some of us are going through more than one. That it's natural to have a lot of feelings in a time like this, including feelings of confusion or anxiety. That Bob and I, are holding you and this church in our hearts. And that the fact that you're here today means you're not alone.
Take a moment to observe our capacity. Brain in Alliance of New Mexico is changed for the future recipient for the months of June, July, and August. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico provides information, referral, support, and advocacy for people in New Mexico with brain injuries. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change the future on the memo line. Thank you.
What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you on behalf of the Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico. And also thank you to the Petroglyph Quartet who are based right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're coming towards the end of our service. If you'd like to stay and have a conversation with your, your fellow congregants, just stay on till the end of the credits. You'll be placed in a breakout room. And whether you're staying or not, here's a discussion question for you to consider. What is ending for you today, these days, and what is beginning? What is ending for you these days, and what is beginning? Thanks. Now it is time to extinguish our chalices and candles. Go in peace, friends, and may love bless you and keep you until we're gathered again.